NBA money. NBA money. Who's that on the other line? Uh, it's West Coast Schaefer. Oh, I'm uh, Garage David. I think you're Birthday David. I am Birthday David. Opening up packages of basketball cards. If they could only see what you're working with. I did open up my first package of basketball cards in probably 10 years today. Gift <laughs> from my sister. Um, ordered on Amazon from a company called Three Bros in a Shop or Three Bros in a Card Shop, something like that. And it's been extremely rewarding. I can't really, the last eight to 10 minutes, it's been fun. You know, opening up packs of cards is something that like my generation gets and the next generation doesn't really need, but it's really fun. <clears throat> That's awesome, man. Yeah, I collected for a while. Um, this is a cool website, Three Bros in a Card Store. That's a great idea. I'm digging it. I'm going to have to use that on uh, some bu- buddy's birthdays down the road. Yeah, I had a Derek Fisher rookie card, a Jamal Mashburn rookie card. The disappointing thing about this was they basically were repackaging stuff and they weren't original packs. So it's like, you know, there's definitely some good ones in there, like Michael Jordan, LeBron, singles, and, you know, across different ages. But it's not the same as like, oh, this is 1992 tops or 1992 right. upper deck. And like, hopefully I get the, you know, you know, what the good cards are in it this is more of a grab bag that's fun too though man i remember all the neighborhood kids we'd all like uh go to someone's house and we'd take all of our cards over there i mean all of our cards the good the bad the ugly and we would get these literally brown bags that were probably really meant for 40 ounce beers and uh there was we set a few rules you couldn't just put crap cards in all your packs you could like make one kind of a dud but you had to include some value, at least some value in some of the packs. And one of the packs had to have like a card that you really didn't want to part with. Yeah, that, that's the key. Like that's, that's what makes opening a pack great. You know, like that one good one, whether it's, you know, a grab bag or a sealed thing. Like it's cool. You know, Jamal Mashburn, I hadn't thought about that name in a while. And I'm like, I'm like, Oh, is this the rookie card? And I turn it over. I see the Kentucky stats on the back. I'm like, dope. <laughs> you know, you know, it's like the second year card is just not as good. He was on that, that team that Christian Leitner buried with that uh, shot with 2.1 seconds left in the game. Broke my heart growing up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, before I go down a rabbit hole and tell sob stories about Kentucky basketball, uh, oh, wait, I do want to say my sister sent me this pack of cards because I recently sent her many, many, many Pop-Tarts. Ooh, what flavor is she? Uh, all types of flavors. We had a big nostalgic argument about, like, other people in the family were like, Pop-Tarts are stupid. And <laughs> I was like, Rachel, don't worry, I got you. And I just ordered all of these Pop-Tarts to show up at our house on Amazon. <laughs> okay, here's, here's a question I've got. Do you heat up the Pop-Tart or do you eat at room temp? Depends on the mood. Same as pizza. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's the good thing about a Pop-Tart. There's never a bad time for it. I think I'm about an 80-20 room temp to heat up guy. Are you proud that our first uh, NBA Money podcast sponsor is Pop-Tarts, brought to you by Kellogg's? <laughs> as long as it's not the cinnamon one, I'm totally down. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, come on. We're grown-ups. We know what we're doing. <laughs> 
First round is over, man. Uh, that was a quick first round. I think a lot of what we thought was going to happen, except for maybe one or one or two of the series, uh, turned out to to occur. Uh, there was a few teams that had some game one, eh, we're going to and ended up getting beat and then kind of started playing a little bit more seriously the rest of the way as the Magic stole one from the Raptors. The Nets stole one from Philly, uh, but they got it together and ended up finishing up those series uh, in five games each, I think. But it was the Jazz Rockets that uh, I know you were really excited about that series, and I was too, um, that surprised me didn't go to at least six games. Yeah, I, that's the Jazz Rockets. Is I mean, we were I was wrong about the I thought the Thunder would beat the Trailblazers. Yeah, me but too. honestly, I feel like I'm more wrong that the Jazz and the Rockets would be close. Like it's something where like I just really like the makeup of the Jazz. I, I like the whole thing, and I mean, and then seeing the Warriors just handle the Rockets in these two games. Not that it was like blowouts. It was just like. I never really felt like the Rockets were going to win. It's like the gap between the Warriors and everybody else is looking as big as it's looked all year. Uh, But back to the Jazz, pretty disappointing. I mean, Mitchell was shooting 35%. Like, (laughs) you know, you're not going to win any series, let alone the game, let alone two games. If your top scorer is shooting one out of three or just about, I mean, really disappointing to see but it's everyone's growth path is different and like just because he was so good last year in the playoffs doesn't mean he's actually at the next level so you know let's see how they respond but if i were them i'd be looking to really make some changes because they're further away than i thought and and mitchell let's not forget it's it's still a second year next year will be his third full nba season Um, yep a lot of pressure. It's not, like, it's not like Tatum on the other side where Tatum is like Irving and Horford are running the show and Tatum is like icing on the cake. Right. You know, so he, if Mitchell doesn't perform well, who is going to score points on the Jazz? Like Joe Ingles, maybe he gets you 20 on a good night. You know, it's, there's just not enough points. Yep. They need shooters. Shooting wins. Um, what were you most surprised about in the first round? Honestly, Warriors Clippers. I, I, I thought Doc would get one. Uh, where I was wrong is that I thought he would get it at home, and he won zero games in L.A. and two in Golden State. Uh, so uh, I'm surprised they, they played as competitively as they did, given there's not a single all-star on the roster. Um, you know, the, the starters in the, in the closeout game were Shea Gilgis-Alexander, a rookie out of Kentucky, Patrick Beverly, Danilo Alec, uh, Danilo Gallinari, Jamichael Green, and the other rookie Landry Shamit. Uh, granted, there's some a lot of potential uh, in especially those rookies, and and Danilo had a great season. Jamichael Green's a good player, but uh, the gap in Jamichael talent. Green, I think he peaked. Man, he was there were stretches where he was actually hanging with Durant for like three and four possessions in a row, and I was like. Jeez, you know, you want to do a little jab step, pull up three? I was like, damn. Yeah. (laughs) You're playing a little above your element, but I like it. (laughs) And Jay Gilgis, too. There was like, I think he, his last, uh, the last game, he scored like 20 or 22 points. Uh, That kid's going to be good. Doc just knows. I I, I mean, I saw, I saw Durant mention him on the Bill Simmons podcast. They're like, what rookie or what young players do you like? And he brought up Shea. This was like six months ago. 
That's that's props right there. It's crazy to yeah. me how all these Kentucky players, when they're playing at Kentucky, you don't see this level of talent, I think, because there's just so many other good players on the roster. Like, Devin Booker was not this big-time all-star. Uh, Devin Booker ran, like, a pick-and-roll the whole year. And then he gets to the NBA, and that's, like, his primary play. Yeah. It's like, geez, uh, you weren't even good enough to be the lead ball handler at Kentucky, but you get to Phoenix. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it, it is the other thing. I saw this video with John Calipari on YouTube, and he's talking about how he coaches, and I, I loved it. He's he's like, I spend the first half hour of practice. It's called two hands, and basically they have to pass and catch everything with two hands, and then run sprints in between. But I was like, you know, you're known as this like to me from afar. I hear John Calipari. I'm like, the guy's just a recruiter. Yep. And then I see these videos of him coaching and he like, like two hands on the basketball at all times is such an old school idea, you know, and every pass and catches with two hands. I was like, huh, it's just great to see. Like, that's the way you start your practice. Like, that, 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 I actually really appreciated that. He's intense, man. He got, I don't know if you remember Josh Harrelson, but he got him drafted. <laughs> if you, if I remember not, him from you. Not like, laughing, that means you don't remember Josh Harrison well. Josh it, Harrison well enough. Wasn't he like a six-six white post player? Yeah, Cal put him on the treadmill one off season and lost. I don't know how many pounds. Real impact player for them the next year, and got drafted somehow. Alas. <laughs> uh, Oklahoma City, what's the future look like there? I think the Russell Westbrook window is starting to close. I was in Oklahoma City uh, last week for about four days and talked to a number of Uber drivers and just fans of the Thunder. What a are lot the of people... Oklahoma City Uber drivers thinking of the Thunder? That is legitimate They're... reporting. <laughs> they are sick of Russell Westbrook. Uh, yeah. Now, they don't have the knowledge about contracts that you or I do, but they were suggesting, like, I wish we would cut them or trade them. You know, no one's going to pick up that contract. But uh, they're fed up with his attitude. What is the – how many Ubers did you take? Uh, three. And I talk, I asked all three of them, uh, you know, first, are you a, a fan of sports in your town? And all three were. And second, what do you think about the Thunder and how their year ended? Um, so they were all after they got eliminated? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay, so that's the heat of time, those couple days there. Yeah, maybe, maybe it all boils over, but it does beg the question. I mean, the, the last game, the closeout game where Dame hits the 38-footer, Russell was 11 of 31 from the field. Um, you know, it's just not – you're not going to win a game when Russell's taking 31 shots because he's never going to make 50% of them. Um, he could make 50% of them if he only took layups and threes. Right. And that's what he and needs to do. How many years do you have to be in the league where it's like literally the mid-range jumper is the last resort, but it's it always ends up being on your shot, shot chart, the top resort? Like, I mean, it's one of those things like, I don't want to call it a come to Jesus moment, but there is a, when you really have to reevaluate the entire way you approach work, something drastic has to happen to change that. And, you know, imagine him getting thrown in a situation where he actually was comfortable taking 12 shots a game. Like, there's not I, – I fear that the it's too late, you know, and I fear that we could be getting closer to Allen Iverson in Memphis than we're, we want to admit. 
unless they can go out and get some shooters and say, hey, take it to the hoop and dish it or pick and roll it with the big man and feel confident in these people around you to hit the threes, which they weren't doing most of the series. Um, he's got to want to win a championship. It can't all, it can't be all about doubles and his fashion statements. So, um, they got, some I mean, work he, did, he did it three years in a row and that is fucking crazy and awesome. And that whole time he did it, he did not win a playoff series. And now like, so it's great that he has this individual accomplishment. If I were him, I would look in the mirror and say, now I have the freedom to not care anything about my individual accomplishments. Is he capable of that? I don't know. Going to be making $42 million in the last year of his deal. I, I don't think How dope they... is that? Imagine making $42 million this year. <laughs> if, he wants to win, he needs to re... if he wants to win, he needs to restructure his contract so that they can get more, more talent on the roster. Um, he's not going to do that. So They're, they're not going to win. They're not going to win. Probably not. I mean, but they could definitely win a playoff series if he changes the way he plays. If he didn't play the way he played, if he played, if he empowered his teammates more, there's no reason they couldn't have beat the Trailblazers. I mean, him and Lillard, Lillard won this. George and McCollum, George won it. And George is probably, if healthy, better than all four of them. So I, I don't know. It's 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 extremely frustrating, and it's also frustrating for like talking to the casual NBA fan because they're just like he's so amazing. Look how he attacks the hoop. Look at the aggression. Look at the passion. And you're like, that's all great, but why doesn't he win more? Like, right. And you start to look at the way he plays: twenty mid-range jumpers on thirty attempts, and he makes eight of them or eleven. You know, it's just like. I know why he doesn't win more. It's, it's kind of simple math. And the, the scary thing, the games I watched in that series too, he would he would hit two or three in a row, and that's actually poisonous because then he thinks he can just make every single shot he takes, start shooting fadeaways. Dude, you've seen it in pickup, man. It happens all the time. Totally. Like this athletic guy comes in, makes two jumpers, and you're like, he's either going to carry us or he's going to shoot us out of this, and we're going to be sitting on the bench for the next game. Like, <laughs> it, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess the learning for us is that we overvalued uh, Westbrook and George thinking they'd win that series. Yep. I mean, that, that cap situation, George is locked in for three years at, I don't know, 33 or 35, and Westbrook's at 40-some, and whew, that's brutal. I mean, who else are you going to bring on, like? How are you going to do it? You it's can't tough. really sign agents in Oklahoma City. What else did you notice? Uh, were, were, did, you, did you notice any irrational optimism in Oklahoma City? Not much. Uh, I, I talked to one, so the uh, Morgan's brother-in-law. His good friend is married to the daughter of the owner of the Thunder. And even he was saying, like, it, it just we, we can't make this work with what we have now. And there's no way there's no plan of attack uh, in the next one or two years, given the contract situations that they have. Um, I don't think much of anything is expiring next year of substance to where they could pick up someone. And like you said, it's a smaller market. It's not a place that attracts um you know, a lot of talent who wants to go team up with Russ and who wants to go play for coach Billy Donovan. I don't know if there are a lot of people lining up to do that right now. I've, 
I bet it you could get like Joachim Noah, Corey Brewer, Ryan Humphreys. You know, bring that oh. old Florida gang back together. <laughs> Is uh, Teddy Dupay in the league anymore? <laughs> Here's one for you, though, before we move on from this. The Phoenix Suns. I feel like you can convince the Phoenix Suns to take the Russell Westbrook contract. That's one where, like, that team has been irrelevant for so long, and they've been point guard deprived for so long, and, like, they've been a laughing stock for so long. I, I think they would take it. Like, I, <laughs> I just would Russell you know, go? I'm, I'm saying Russell Westbrook to the Phoenix Suns. Right, but would, would he? No, would he, he would he do it? Would Russell be like? It'd be yeah, a trade. Go. It'd be a trade. He doesn't have a no trade clause. I don't think. I don't oh. think anyone does anymore. So it would be something like taking on bad short term contracts and really getting next to nothing for him, but. Ugh, I don't that... know if I'm Phoenix. If I'm Phoenix, just throw as close as I can get to forty million in contracts and keep Booker, keep Aiton. I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things where like you pay for relevancy, and Phoenix isn't relevant right now, and Russell Westbrook is, and Oklahoma City. I mean, Sam Presti, he's a little bit of a gangster. Like he's he's wrong, he's right, he makes moves that have bothered people. I mean, I, and he sells, he usually sells before people think he's going to sell, which means you're a good trader in my mind, you know, like giving up, giving up Harden was wrong, but he gave him up before people thought he would. So at least he got some value. value. Yeah. And he really didn't get good value on that one, but giving up a Baca early, got him all depot. He turned up an old Baca into an old depot. I mean, he's done, and he then he turned Oladipo into Paul George. So, like, the guy, the guy is good, and he's he probably has fifty-five different contingency plans. And I think the Phoenix Suns are at the top of his list because that team, man, they need to change things real bad. I I, I wouldn't want to be. They just need to evolve. You know, they haven't want to been to the playoffs and near the playoffs in so long. Like, they're desperate. Well, we just found out today DeAndre Ayton was making about 10 k a month back at the University of Arizona. I don't know if you saw that. You know what I have to say about that? Good for him. Underpaid. <laughs> Dude was fucking on national TV all the time, <laughs> driving that whole Arizona program, and here he is on a 60 k six-month contract making like the equivalent of like a business development rep of a startup in San Francisco like <laughs> intro right out of college <laughs> while the dude's on TV and ESPN.com all day. Like, come on, man. Like, so what he's, and then uh, I don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole, but that's, then it was funny that one of the guys paying him, I saw that story and one of the guys paying him his, the quote they pulled for the story of his quote on the stand was as simple as like, I agree that everything that said happened, but none of it was illegal. <laughs> it's a great quote. He's like, these are college kids and they need money to live. <laughs> and this guy is the star of the whole thing and he's worth more than 10K. It's like. The only thing illegal know. is the salary not being enough. That would have been a great <laughs> sign off conclusion to his story. <laughs> And yeah, well, meanwhile, what's what's the coach Arizona making? Like over a million a year? Multiple, multiple. Yeah, millions. it's just like 
and he didn't even make the NCAA tournament. Here he is with the highest paid student athlete who's underpaid. You can't even, or he made the tournament and lost in the first. Buffalo, yeah, Buffalo took him out. In the next round, and we were really hoping that Buffalo would upset Arizona. Anyway, Aiton. Raptors magic, Raptors magic. That was an easy one. Uh, Magic did steal the first game. Kyle Lowry had zero points in that game. Then the Raptors were like, all right, let's. Let's go ahead and end this and get to the next round. Let's start taking things seriously. Siakam played incredible. Kawhi, as you said, sh- showed everyone, reminded us all how amazing he and is. And he really did that in round two, game one. I mean, 40, he dropped 45 that it game. Was, or uh, I think it was 45 on 23 shots. Pretty productive. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I thought that the Raptors were going to sweep the Magic. You thought uh, it'd be a little more competitive. Um, but did you watch uh, Raptors 76ers uh, game one or two? Um, I caught some of game one, and I, I immediately was like, wow, this – I thought the chemistry was really coming together for the Sixers uh, as they closed out the Nets. And uh, I was a little concerned with what I saw in game one, but I, I didn't get to catch game two. I know the series is knotted up one apiece. Did you catch any I of it? I ended up doing the, like, rewatch after I knew the score. So the next day I put it on I had the NBA app and I watched the end. And, like, it, I mean, that move Embiid made at the end, it was just so great. He did. He catches the ball at the key, fakes him at the key, steps towards – then spins, then pump fakes, finally lays it in after, like, three people had jumped on him. And then when he made it, it sealed the game, but it was also only his 12th point of the game. Like, it was – for the Sixers to be able to win a game where Embiid scores 12 points, like, that's on the road. You know, that gives me hope that, like – I don't know. Maybe this Sixers in the finals thing is pretty real. Who he, he had something like that in the first game, too. He didn't break 20, and I, I saw that his rebounding numbers were a lot lower than they usually are, too. Who is Matt? Is it Gasol that's matching up with him most of the time? Yeah, and Gasol is um, very intelligent, very quick hands, underrated quick feet, and just very large. Uh, it's It's actually – out of all the centers left in the playoffs, it's probably the worst matchup for him. Um, I mean, Gasol is two years removed from being defensive player of the year. Like, he's great, you know. And Embiid's knees are not, and Embiid's minutes are not maxed. But all that, you know, it's 1-1. The Sixers have stolen home court advantage. So if I'm them, I'm smiling. Yeah, I feel good. This is their year, though. Uh, there's a lot of questions. Unit that they've got together. Yeah. They can get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Really, if they can get to the NBA Finals, a lot of those people will have a desire to stay with that team and try it again next year. If they get, if they lose the Raptors, I can see a lot of this breaking up. Yeah, I mean, it's mainly Harris and Butler who are both looking for – near max deals and they're near max players with the emphasis on near and not max. Uh, so like, I mean, you just can't overpay for both of them coming off a second round loss. You know, you just can't like it, you're already near the, 
potential of that team. You need it to go further. And I mean, the the Raptors are very, very good, but this this series is this series is going to be great, you know. So I'm I'm really excited. Did you watch? Um, who do you think wins? I had Sixers uh, Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm going to stick with it, um, but I think it's going to be not four. I think it's, we're going six or seven games, probably seven. Um, I could see the home team winning out. Let's see if the home team wins out the rest of the way here, um, then it's going to be a six game series. No, the Raptors, the Raptors are going to win game three or four. It's going to be two, two that I, I see this going to two, two. And then working from there again, like, I mean, Kawhi is really good. Like, he, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't want to underestimate him. I, Yeah, I could I could see it going a couple ways. I could see Butler just really stepping up uh, and playing incredible defense. Him and him and Harris on on Kawhi and keeping him, you know, at the twenty to twenty five level and making all these other people work to beat him. You know, make Kyle Lowry hit shots, uh, make the bench, make Fred Van Fleet come off the bench and hit threes, make Siakam get you know twenty five plus, but don't let Kawhi break break thirty. Easier said than done. I mean, after Butler, who guards him? And Butler did not do a good job in game one. He did a much better job in game two. But, like, it's Ben Simmons and Butler. I mean, and then if Ben Simmons is on him, he's not on Lowry. He's not on Siakam. Uh, the Sixers are a weird team. Like, they're, they just don't have many guards. <laughs> they just really don't. Like, if you, if you say Simmons is all court, and he's not, he is a guard, but not really. He'll do a lot, of, especially once the ball's in the half court, under very little situations, is he functioning as a guard? He's basically functioning as a forward once it's in half court. And at that point, like, they play J.J. Redick and occasionally McConnell, and then they just play, like, 10 forwards and Embiid. So it's like, and Boban. So two centers, two centers, one guard, and, like, eight forwards. It's a funny roster, uh, <laughs> like especially as the league is really emphasizing shooting. Here, the Sixers are like, "Hey, we're just going to play the tallest guys." Yeah. So you got you got the Raptors winning this. No, like. no, I'm sticking with my Sixers. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to because I think the odds are on the Raptors right now, even though they're one-one. I, I I just think if you go to Vegas. It, it's more likely the Raptors win this series and the Raptors I think are still the favorite, but I think the Sixers win it. I, I still think, I still think Embiid could prove he's the most valuable player in the series, even with what Kawhi is doing. And you think they're going to face up against two in the next round, sticking with the Bucks, or did the Celtics show you something in game one? In game one, the coolest thing was, Al Horford, or the most surprising thing was Al Horford was the best player. Maybe in game two, too. (laughs) Uh, Well, game two, I think I came to, I tuned in, and it was like already like 18 points, and I just turned it off. Yeah, that third quarter was soul-crushing for the Celtics. Yeah, I think Giannis was at like 
I don't know, like 22, six and four, like near the end of the third. And he was just dunking on people. And I was just like, well, they won five in a row. They're due to lose. I mean, the Celtics, they're, it's Kyrie Irving and Horford. They're both much, much better in the playoffs than the regular season. And Horford's defense is just so consistently underrated. And I think, I think if they're able to just every single moment, every possession, the, the percentage of the possessions that Giannis is guarded by Horford, the closer that gets to 100, the better off the Celtics are. If they can get it so that every single possession Horford guards Giannis, their odds of winning are so high. But I, I'm not deviating. I still think... Giannis is going to prove he believes he's the best player in the series. And I think this is going to go seven and it's going to be in Milwaukee. And I think Kyrie Irving's going to own game six or he's going to have his heroics, but it's going to come back to Milwaukee and Giannis is going to win. Who's the third best player in that series? So I would go Giannis, Kyrie Irving, Horford, and then, Horford, okay. whew, I, I go Horford at third. Okay. I, go, I, I would still go Kyrie. I would still go Giannis Kyrie just because, I mean, so far in the first two games, Horford's been the best. But yeah. for the next five games, I would still bet on Giannis to be the best, and I would still bet on Irving to be second. Um, just because, like, it's like Iggy guarding LeBron in the 2006 finals. Like, yeah, he did a great job. LeBron still averaged the triple-double and 35 points a game plus. You know, it was clear. Like, well, that first series when LeBron lost to the Warriors and people were saying he should be MVP, I was totally against it because I, I don't like picking MVP from the loser, but I totally got it. Like, he was yeah. the most talented basketball player. And that remains true in this series with Giannis. Who, who do you got? Yeah, I got I got Bucks too. I got Bucks Sixers uh, playing in that series if it happens. Uh, but you do I have might, to be I, impressed with the Celtics, right? Because you didn't even totally. you thought there was a chance they would lose in the first round. Oh, I thought there was a. I personally thought there was a chance the Bucks swept them. So I was very stunned to see them win as convincingly as they did in Game One. So yeah, I think uh, your text message was, "What are the odds I can get Bucks in five now?" <laughs> right, so that's still aggressive, right? They, I mean, they got to go to Boston and win two, and then come back home and win the last one. That's super uh, I don't think that's going to happen, yeah. right? Yeah, no. I, I don't think it's going to happen now. Uh, but here's what's going to here the the Eastern Conference Final is going to be more interesting than the Western Conference Final. Probably, yeah. I mean, I think the uh, whole East is more interesting right now than the West. Right. I mean, my notes here on this current uh, Blazers Nuggets series, um, you know, the only reason I'm really watching is just to kind of see if Jamal Murray can like take the leap and just to watch Dame and CJ McCollum out there shoot the ball. Um, Whoever wins for the franchise that they finally made it this far, uh, you know, and and it's been a while for, for both of them, but neither of them. I think can go beyond a six game series with either the Rockets or the Warriors. I think either of them could beat the Rockets. Um, You never know. um, And I don't think any of us are going to find out, 
Uh, but the more I watched those two games of the Warriors, just they didn't. I don't want to say the Rockets weren't close. I just never felt like the Rockets were going to win. Like even when they took the lead barely, or when they cut it to two, or they cut it to four with two minutes left, I still was looking at the screen just like the Warriors are about to drop two and stop them once, and that's the way this is going to play out, and that's the way it played out. <clears throat> yep. Um, yeah, so I also want to bring up, I went to the Nuggets game two uh, in the first round, and my wife, who isn't a big basketball fan, she found Jokic so funny. She was just like, <laughs> look how slow he dribbles. <laughs> <laughs> he is such like, a Why does he dribble so slow? <laughs> He does look like he should be like a tight end or like a big offensive tackle. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I agree. Over the last two weeks, I've just been like so much more respect for Jokic. Like, you know, you think about pickup basketball, the dude shows up fat, gigantic, overweight, and suddenly he's like a savant. And not in terms of like just like dunking the ball, but in terms of like, seeing the play before it happens when you see him in person you're actually very frustrated he doesn't shoot more there are moments where you're looking at him like oh you could just turn and shoot and he doesn't you know and it's very rare to see a big man like this try and set up all of his other teammates and um i want the nuggets to win like you think i'm you glad think they're gonna win I mean, they lost tonight, so it's one-one. Um, I do. I, I I think they're. I think Jokic is the best player in the series. I think Lillard's Ooh. the second best player. I think okay. Lillard can't be the best player for four games. I I I mean, he could. I just don't think he will. I I think Jokic, um, all around, is just a better player. Uh, so. I mean, I also want him to win, so that I'm not like. I'm biased right now, you know. I want this right, thing right. to keep going. I, I want this Denver basketball to like become a thing. The Nuggets haven't been in the playoffs in so long. Like, it's really cool. I want I want this ride to not end. I mean, they, you know, if you told Mike Malone, "Hey, Dame's going to score 14 points tonight," he's got to be really excited about that premonition and their odds of winning the game. But if they're going to shoot 30 percent, I think they shot 30 percent from three tonight. Um, well, they shot 20% from three tonight. I'm sorry. And they, they were missing wide open three after wide open three and still only lost. I think they ended up being by like seven or so, maybe four or five. Um, they should have won that game just shooting. They just couldn't, couldn't hit open shots. Yeah. Yeah. That it can, you don't want to fall into the trap of like, Oh, if they just shot the ball well, they would win. Cause it's like, there's usually a reason they don't shoot the ball well. You know, it's like even an extra inch or an extra six inches in terms of like contesting shots, like it makes the world of difference. Um, but twenty percent, though. I mean, that's the the league. The worst team in the league this year shot thirty two point nine percent from three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's true. It, it's a really bad shooting night. That's bad. But I think they can take that into the next game. Like, hey, you held Dame to 14. You shot 20% from three, and you still were in it, like, until about a minute and a half left in the game. So that's some positive mojo for him heading into game three. 
Yeah, and the way they need to look at it is they need to win one of these next two games. Right. They don't need to win them both. They just need to win one. Then they're back on home court again. You know, game five, game seven, just win your games at home. And when teams are very close like these two are, and they're both inexperienced, like no no one in this series, I think, has been to the Western Conference Finals. I I don't think. Uh, I would agree. Yeah, I don't think so. So these teams are all punching above their weight right now. And um, so it means they're going to, they're not going to take care of business this home. They're not going to take care of business at home as much as they should, because there's going to be a bit more inconsistency, a bit more unpredictability, a bit more of underperformance in new environments, frankly. So uh, I'm not that like the Nuggets, the Nuggets gap with the Spurs was big enough that they never should have went to seven games. But the experience gap was so big that you feel good to just get out of it. As long as Murray's leg isn't a lingering thing and he's good to go for game three at at least 95%, then I agree with you. They can win one on the road and then be right back on track. What's the status of that? I I don't know. I was watching – I was watching Chuck and the gang, but I didn't hear them address it, and I didn't get to the press conferences. So I'm sure we could look it up here in a little bit and see. Uh, he just didn't look like himself. Uh, even just like coming in, uh, walking in for offensive possessions, he had a little limp to his step. I didn't even see what happened to him or how he got injured, but um, that can't linger because he needs to get 18 to 25 points for them every night uh, and be that consistent scorer. Yeah, I watched uh, the third quarter, and even when he he got to the hoop, he attacked, he got a layup, but, like, he didn't elevate. It was like he did it on craft, you know? So it was like the defender actually out-jumped you, but it still went in because you positioned yourself well. Yeah. He didn't look explosive. Well, let's close it out, man. Rockets, Warriors. Um you kind of alluded to this earlier. You've never really been concerned about the Warriors. Uh, hey, either I'm of these not games. ready to close it out. I, I watched the Avengers last night. It was three hours long. Don't, don't, don't I, tell me what happened. Don't say Then anything. I typed in – I won't, I won't. Then I typed in Avengers to iTunes, and the first hit was a four-hour and 25-minute review. Jeez, of a three-hour movie. I listened movie. to about the first 15 minutes, but I was just like – Damn, these people were so pumped. They were like waiting for this movie for like years. And then they, they found it all so satisfying, which I did not. Uh, I was yeah, just about I to ask, wait. did you enjoy it? I enjoyed the experience, but about halfway in, uh, we pivoted from um, this is a great movie to a little bit of hate watching, a little bit of making fun of the choices. A little bit of how they just hop around. Um, we just kind of lost our enthusiasm a little bit. I, I'm saying a little bit many times here because it's like the little things add up. And then you're suddenly yeah. like the story doesn't quite fit together. And it's more fun to like look at the moments it doesn't fit together and talk about them. And it was great because the theater was almost empty. So we could be a, a little bit, you know, rallier than like opening day. That is exactly how I like to watch a movie. I never like to go to opening night. Give me a week or two later where I can just go in, put my feet up on the seat, and eat my popcorn as loud as I want, and I'm a happy camper. 
There's something really fun about being loud in the theater. Feels rebellious. It does. It does. Um, okay, I want to point out something onto this Rockets Warriors series that I've noticed in the first two games that was not the case last year when the series went to seven games. When Harden starts to execute, I, I first of all let's establish this. I think it's safe to say if they're not the most, they're in probably the top one, two, or three of teams that um, play matchup offense. They come down, they set screens, yep. they get a matchup they like, and then they go they go to, they go to work. La- last night in game one, and I was at I was at the game last night. Every time Harden started or someone so came you, up, to you set went to game two. Yeah, I was at game two last night. Nice. It, it was rocking and rolling, man. That was one of probably the best sporting event I've ever been to in my entire life. It was yeah, incredible. Yeah, you felt the energy? Oh, man, it was great. I had two, like, old-school East Bay uh, natives sitting right behind me, and they were some amazing hecklers, and they know the sport. They know, like, everything about all the players. There was a Houston fan sitting right next to them that was just <laughs> – he had his hopes kind of elevate. You know, they get to within six. They get to within three. And he starts to jabber his mouth a little bit. And then, you know, Kevin Durant comes down and hits a jumper. We get a steal. Draymond dunks it. And, you know, the guy's just looking over at the Rockets fan being like, James Harden's your MVP, bro. <laughs> it was amazing. See, uh, what, what else did you see in the crowd? Uh. A lot of flame. I didn't realize there, there were flamethrowers that shot out of the back of the hoop. The uh, national anthem goes on when they say, and the Rockets. Oh, yeah. Red yeah. glare. Flames <laughs> are shooting up. You can feel the heat up in section 205, man. It was intense. <laughs> I thought my eyebrows were going to get cinched off. Um, but just the, the energy, man. It, it was great to see. Uh, it was great to feel it. I mean, you could feel the energy every time a shot went in or every time a foul or whistle was, was blown. Um, hard to describe. I, mean, I don't mean to go down this rabbit hole, but the end of Oracle is a very sad thing. And moving to San Francisco, I think, is the signet. It signifies the end of this run. Like to me, this is a team that like. There's a reason they're the Golden State Warriors. Like it's just better. I, I don't like that they're moving to San Francisco. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I love San Francisco, but not for this. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it, it, there, there's definitely that that division that the Bay Bridge sets between tech and like old school is truly being torn apart. Like now, the Warriors are a technology team uh, and not like a true old school basketball franchise, or at least they will How be. Was, in my the walk from uh, Bart to the stadium is it st- still people selling everything and all the craziness? Yeah, every beers, drunk. waters, anything you want, smoking joints. Uh, Morgan got a kick out of someone trying to sell a parking pass. Who walking from Bart into the stadium would need a parking pass? <laughs> I, I didn't understand that one unless someone wanted to like tailgate in the parking spot, but. Um, yeah, there's some characters out there, man. Uh, that that was a fun walk, uh, and it, it always is. Even going to A's games, there's always some characters uh, as yeah. you get to the stadium. So do you so think we... right now there's any chance the Rockets win this series? 
Yeah, but here, here's uh, let me let me finish what I was what I was starting with on the pick and roll. Whenever okay. Andre or Draymond or Looney is up on him, or even Steph up on him, if Steph's on him, he's just going to shoot or drive to the hoop. But when they try to, to switch and get on to Steph or switch and get on to Looney for a mismatch, uh, the Warriors do a really good job of double-teaming him and then keeping the primary defender on Harden. And then the person getting picked from will roll back. And Harden doesn't – first of all, he needs to get rid of the ball a lot faster – but when he actually does get rid of the ball, one of those wing defenders, whether it's Clay or either Draymond or Iggy on the other wing, they collapse from their three point, uh, the person they're guarding behind the three point line, and they come in and swap the ball away from Capella or whoever's picking and rolling with Harden. And they're doing a really good job with that, interfering, making the shot on Capella. I only saw one oop from Harden to Capella, uh, to Capella last night. Last yeah. year in this series, they were doing that all the time. So that's and, what I'm And in game one, uh, game one, they had like, I think it was the first four or five alley oops they attempted didn't work. Like, the, a lot the of them didn't here, work last year. The key here is, is that it's really about the second rotation. So it's like the pick and roll forces the defense to scramble, and then the second rotation. Because really, <clears throat> if you're doing a defense well out of the pick and roll, you want the next person to catch it, and they make a decision to pass again. And, it, like, right at the start of game two, that was Capella about to dunk at the hoop, and the game opens with Durant blocking him. There was uh, – Right. I remember it, that. That was a hype moment. Yeah, and it was like, okay, this is the game where Durant focuses on defense. <laughs> you know? <laughs> not, not that he wasn't focusing before, but more just, like, that was more of the signature. You know? So, it was, um... so how, how Mike D'Antoni uh... – you know, responds to that it will tell me, I mean, I think he's going to be like, look, here, here's what we need to do. When this happens, either, either anticipate the collapsing wing defender coming down to help on Capella or Capella. As soon as you touch the ball, be ready for that collapse and touch pass it out to one of the wide open three point shooters. That's how they have, they've got to adjust that way. If they don't adjust to the, that, the, the second one over. would be the best. Like, if Capella can catch it mid-post and either attack or pass, which yeah. he really doesn't do, occasionally he passes in that spot, but the Rockets also don't even try and get him the ball in that spot. They try and wait until he's another two steps closer to the hoop. So Yeah, get it to him right at the free throw line because they're starting pretty deep. Harden's a couple feet behind the three-point line when this whole thing starts. I mean, they I, – I just watched those two games and, like – I looked at it like I don't know if there are adjustments. <laughs> like, well, here, I, think the, I think the talent one other thing. would be too high. <laughs> well, certainly, certainly. But one other thing that I'm noticing this year and what I expected was for them to play the intense defense that they played last year in game two. They, they lost game one last year. They came out in game two, and they were in everyone's face on every possession. I did not see that at all last night. I saw kind of a – like on their back heel defense. Um, they picked it up a little bit in the second half, but if they don't come out with that intensity on the defensive end, nothing else matters. Like the, who cares if you can figure out the pick and roll, if you're not going to defend, you're not going to beat them. Yeah. And uh, I, I listened to part of um, Zach Lowe and Stan Van Gundy talk about their defense today. And so Stan Van Gundy's talking about coaching teams and he's like, the Rockets spent the whole year switching everything 
they are not capable of switching to the guards going over the pick and rolls. Like they're, they're so ingrained and this is the way they play and like switching everything. It's just, it gets you to, you know, the, the bad part about switching everything is you look at the end of game one, the Warriors take their time. They get Nene to switch onto Curry out of their intent. And Curry makes one step back and drains a three and ends the game. Like, the Warriors are taking Houston's mismatch medicine and they're, they're steering right into it and they're breaking the offense off more for the sake of it. They're, wait, they're saying, hey, if Curry or Durant gets a mismatch, we're just going to stop the offense and move out of their way. And this is something like the Warriors, it's not in how they play most of their games, but in these last two games they're doing it and it works because they know they get the mismatch. So it's dangerous in terms of breaking the rhythm of your offense, but it makes a ton of sense whenever Durant's at seven foot, you know, if anyone, if he has Harden at six foot five on him, like why, why get complicated, (laughs) you know, just let him go one-on-one. So I think, I think the, the Warriors are steering into a little bit about how the Rockets play and they're letting it impact their offense. And I think it's great. Like, and it's respect to the Rockets. Like, it, it's a lot of respect, you know, that you'll, you'll break your offense for the sake of a mismatch. The Rockets just look for mismatches and keep, mismatches and keep doing it. It's a much different way to play. I, I just – part of me is the Warriors are just better than I thought they were. And without Cousins, it doesn't seem to hurt them very much. If anything – it lets the two best players in the world go one on one more often, which is a good thing. The the mismatch gap that the Rockets create when they get hard in a mismatch is nowhere near the mismatch gap that is created when Steph gets a big man on him or KD body on the planet on him for the most part. Um, Anybody that's not PJ Tucker, I think PJ Tucker has done a really good job, and the more I watch him, the more I respect him. Like. Even though KD is getting buckets over him, like he is a real pain in the ass. Like he, like yeah. in game one, he scored zero points, and I thought he was the second best Rocket. <laughs> like <laughs> he's you know, their he's their Iguodala. He's their he's Iguodala. That, he's more important to them than Iguodala is to the Warriors, right Agreed. now. And Iguodala, fun fact, leading the NBA playoffs in dunks. Remarkable. He had plenty. I saw him hit a few putbacks last night and a couple oops. <laughs> when you asked that question today, the only reason I guessed Iguodala was because of the sheer number I saw last night from him. Yeah, he's really good 15 at years playing, the, playing that big man spot to get, to catch the alley oop. Like, who would have thought? Like, he's so good at it. He can. He knows just when to step towards the hoop, just like a good big man should. You know, it's like. You want to get into situations where it's three on hill, three on two downhill towards the hoop. Like that's that's where you really get into winning basketball. You know, it's it's just simpler decisions. Even in the half court, you can get to three on two spots. But yeah, I, I fear he's gonna peak because what he's doing right now. What do you have? He averaged. I saw. Draymond Green averaged seven-some points in the regular season. He's averaging over 12. 
And I also saw the Warriors, they put it across the bottom line, where 27-0 and when he gets a triple-double. And then Iguodala is also close to doubling regular season, the postseason scoring average. Like, is it not sustainable, or is it just like, they treat the regular season so casually that like this is just to be expected and they're just like going back to their normal levels of performance. Well, Iggy, for, for, I'll speak to Iggy. He hit, I want to say two or three threes last night uncontested. They were just leaving him open to double, you know, whether it was Clay, Katie or Steph that, that had the ball and he, he just knocked him down. Uh, I think Iggy regresses, but he's always going to give you that max effort on defense. So he'll be on the court. Um, so they're going to need some bigger games out of the, the main three guys. Um, you know, 20, 20, and 20 might not be enough. One of them is going to have to be in that 30-point range each night because Iggy's going to go back to that six, seven points per game. Yeah, I can Katie, see that. KD, by the way, in real life is unbelievable. Like the shots with, with someone in his face, you're like, no way, this is going to go in. Like this is a horrible <laughs> angle. This isn't going to happen. Then the ball goes in. He's off his back foot or the wrong foot, and just walking down the court like it's just business as usual. Freaking incredible. <laughs> I remember when we went we went to Nuggets Warriors last year, and Durant was the first one warming up on the court. Like everybody else was still doing whatever. So not, maybe not the first because, you know, the stadium opens at like – if it's like an 8 o'clock game, the stadium will open at 6, you know. So you, like I got there a little bit early and checked it out. And my, <laughs> Ling, my wife, she was just like, he's so tall. Like <laughs> you like go down on the floor and you see him shooting threes and shooting step backs and shooting fadeaways and then doing one dribble step forward and shoot and it's just – you would think he's – he has – I don't know. Like, he's taken the darkness to the next level. Where yeah, like you're I was so just thinking taller. the same thing. Yeah, like, his skills, Dirk, never got near. In his handle, in his moves, just, like, how you can catch the ball at the three how, – how can you get to a mid-range jumper? He has so many more ways to get to it than Dirk ever did. Um, I mean, right now – the cool thing about what's happening is in his mind, the, w- the way I think that he's going about his business is like, I just want to prove to everybody I'm, everybody I'm the best basketball player on the planet right now. And he still has that like very firmly, because like right now, if you ask a casual fan who's the best player in the world, they're not going to say Kevin Durant. It doesn't matter that he won two finals MVPs. I mean, maybe a couple of them will. But it's not definitive like it was for LeBron for, like, you know, so many years. Right. So, I mean, do you think do you think he's the best basketball player in the world right now? Right this very second, I do. I mean, the guy is – he can – anytime he gets it, I'm like, all right, he's going to create something. If, it's, if not for himself, if he gets double teamed, then he's going to find the open man. He is just – seeing the game the hoop is really really big for him right now he was nine for 22 last night but every time i saw him get the ball i i honestly can't remember him missing i felt like it always went in or something positive happened when he had the ball and then when um, he's guarding james harden i was like great like when i saw him switch on to harden i was like this is what i want 
you know it's it was on the other side of it you were like yeah like i i just i i, I don't know if he's not a better defender than draymond green he's not he may not be a better defender than clay thompson but there are moments where you just what i'm saying is it's it's not quite on both sides of the ball, but it's getting closer and closer. Like he's making plays on the other side that like really are just disrupting the other team in a way that's like really trying to just demonstrate and prove that you're the best. And like, I don't care that James Harden won MVP. I don't care that he averaged 36 points a game. He's my old teammate and I am going to outplay him. And that's just what he's done the last two games. The one, if I have to have a negative on him, it's you know being six eleven when he drives and dribbles into traffic, it's a lot easier to poke the ball away from him. He's had I think he had four, maybe five or six turnovers in game one, and a majority of them were a result of him dribbling a little bit too much into heavily uh, trafficked areas. I uh, did that a couple times last night, but the nature of being six eleven and have, having dribbling skills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, did you – James Harden. What, no, what go were ahead. all the injuries like whenever you were in person? So you saw, just to recap, last night, Steph's finger, like, became two fingers. James Harden's eyeball became entirely bloodshot. And Durant went down for a minute. And uh, I think – was there any other injuries? Like, what was it like being in person, seeing, like, the confusion of all these players getting hurt? I don't think anyone knew. I was up in 205, so we were on the um, team side, uh, but we were on the opposite side of where the Warriors were sitting. So I, when I saw Jarebko come in at about, I don't remember what it was, the eight or seven minute mark, I was like, this is interesting. Maybe they're just giving Steph an early rest and they're going to have him close out the quarter and start the oh, second quarter. Oh, so you quarter. didn't even know he was hurt. No, so, someone texted me and said, Steph's fingers dislocated. And I was immediately like, oh shit, which hand? And they said left, and I breathed a sigh of relief. But I don't think many people that weren't near the bench uh, in that section knew what was going on um, until he came running back out on the court. And then, you know, the text messages from our friends came came through. So there wasn't a big, like, gasp for air moment mm-hmm. um, like there was when KD went down. I want to say that was in the third or the fourth. I, I felt that in the arena. It got really quiet. It wasn't for very long because he got up. But for half to one and a half seconds – you could hear a pin drop, and uh, that's just, you know, he's clearly one of the, if not the most important player to his team right now in the NBA. But when Harden went down, uh, I thought it was a concussion. I thought he just got elbowed in the back of the head. I had mm-hmm. no idea it was uh, it was his eyes, and there was a little bit of taunting immediately, like, oh, get up because of all of his complaining <laughs> lately about fouls. There's a little <laughs> bit of that early on, and then people kind of realize, hey, it's like, a little bit more serious. This is a real thing here, guys. Like, drop. And then, you know, they kind of took back their derogatory comments and said, oh, respect, respect. Um, but, you know, I, I watched the presser, and he – it looks like he's, his eyes are really sensitive to bright lights right now. Um, and But, you know, he came out and played a great second half. He played a terrible – actually, he played better after he got hurt. Um, he wasn't hitting the ball – or hitting his shots in the first quarter, and his defense was, you know, kind of like circa 2016 James Harden. <clears throat> um, fun fact about Harden 95 fouls this season while shooting three pointers uh, so he, the second most in the league was Kimball Walker and he had 34 
Remember how fun, rare it is? Like to to get fouled on a three, you're like, oh, that's a big mistake. Harden oh, is yeah. getting it more than once per game. It, 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 honestly, it feels like it's more than that. Just like the the highlights you see of him, I feel like uh, he goes to free throw. Durant times. that got him. Durant fouled him on a three point attempt at the end of one of the quarters. I think it was the yeah. The they finally they finally blew the whistle on one of those. Uh, I watched a video today of. Uh, Scott Van Pelt was really uh, not upset, but just calling him out. Uh, I think it was last night about when he's uncontested and he shoots, he maybe goes six inches forward on a shot. But when someone's in his face, the the difference is night and day to how much where his feet land after he uh, jumps for the to take the shot. Uh, I just don't respect that. I, I understand that he's like there's a rule set for that, so he's playing into the rule. Uh, I just don't think you win games that way by like going to the free throw line and not trying to hit shots and create for your teammates. But, um, you know, and that's also a good way to get hurt. Like if, if they're not going to call it, he's increasing the chances that he twists an ankle or, or um, somebody else does. I mean, kicking your legs out towards the defender, you're putting both people at risk. Like imagine playing pickup and just do kicking your legs out towards the defender like that. Uh, there's going to be a fight in a pickup game if that happens. Yeah. Here, here's another one under the radar of this series. Is Chris Paul over the hill? Sure. I don't know, man. He didn't come out with the intensity I expected last night either. He, I, he's clearly frustrated that he's not won a title and that Steph Curry is having all the success. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that he is just a built-up, ball of angry energy right now <laughs> i think what, what he's like he's in his age like is he 34 33 he's i should know yeah this. he's old he, he's been in he was My, in the deron williams marvin williams uh who was the first pick that draft was way back he, i mean he's been in the league a long time He's president of the Players Association. He fought for players his age to have these higher salaries that him and Wall and Westbrook are getting. Like, and at the same time, he just to win this series, he can't. You can't play at the level he played at the last two games. You know, especially if the best player is out for a half a quarter or a quarter. Like those are the moments. Where if you're the second best player, you gotta just step up and play like the best player, and that has not happened. He's got to channel game two and game five last year, Western Conference Final. Chris Paul, that's the Chris Paul that's got to show up. Uh, if that Chris Paul doesn't show up, then this series might end in four or five. He's got to dig deep and find, fight through whatever else he's going through right now and just play basketball and stop thinking about the officials or stop thinking about whatever else is going on in his mind. Funny story about him. My boss went to Wake Forest, was two years older than Chris Paul, and wrote for uh, the Deacon newspaper, um, covered sports, huge Chris Paul fan, huge Chris Paul fan. They're in the ACC tourney. I want to say it was first round against NC State, and – Wake Forest doesn't convert on the offensive end, and NC State starts a transition uh, down the other way. And Chris Paul punches. I don't know if you remember Julius Hodge. The name kind of sounded familiar to me. Punched he him made the, the lead. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Why would he do that? Punch him in the nuts. And my boss immediately was like, yeah, that's the moment I just completely lost respect for Chris Paul. He's a dirty player. Anyone that will blatantly just take their fists, ball it up, and hit someone out of frustration, it's got some other stuff going but on. But wait, was it like during a play? Like what? What? Yeah. I'll, I'll shoot you the video after this because I looked it up. And I wanted to see it. It's dirty. It's a dirty play. Um, and he, he's just got a, he's got a little edge to it, man. You saw it earlier this year with Rondo in that Lakers game. Even though he wasn't the initiator of that, uh, I feel like someone of his stature and the president of, of the, the Players Association has to um, tighten things up more. So uh, what are the what are the odds of a sweep here? Oh, Houston's going to win one in Houston. Let's say that I don't know sweep odds twenty five percent, twenty percent, something small, uh, smaller, but you know not not too small. I think if I had to bet on Game Three, I would bet like just even money. I'd bet the Warriors. They're I, plus three and a half right now. I think that's a good one to take. I mean, I know the Rockets, I thought they were better than last year. I thought they were going to bring it. It's just watching these both of these games end-to-end, it's just like <laughs> I think these are two different teams from last year, and the one that's better is the Warriors. Like it, this, ought to and, tell you, this ought to tell you something. Right now in Vegas, odds to win the Western Conference, the Warriors, uh, two to nine. Uh, so put that uh so if i bet a thousand on the warriors how much do how much do i have to risk to win a thousand let's see here oh why can't i do math this is the core of nba money we will quit our jobs become successful whatever gamblers and then get hired by the <laughs> Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> I think if you bet a thousand, you're going to get somewhere between two and 300 bucks on the Warriors. Yeah. And there's four teams left. <laughs> and uh... <laughs> Rockets are six to one. Nuggets, 12 to one. Blazers, 20 to one. Huh. So, yeah, they're pretty cool on the Blazers, huh? They didn't like that 37-footer putting them nope. uh, front and center. Vegas so, has Warriors V-Bucks. Have you seen uh, Dame Lillard rap? Say it again. Uh, Damian Lillard. Have you seen him rap? Have you listened to him? No. He's no, I, I prefer him as the baby on the State Farm commercials. Ah, oh, dude, he never should have done that. This is much better. <laughs> much better look. <laughs> All right, I'll check this out. No, he's he's actually like this isn't like Shaq rapping. Like he actually has legitimate skills. Like I, I watched um I forget which LA show it was, but they had him freestyle and I mean, he is good. Like <laughs> it's uh it was cool. Where do you play college ball? Um, small school, uh, I forget where, I think it was the Weber state, Weber state. And McCollum was from Lehigh. They got a couple of small school guys turned all-stars. Yeah. Portland, 
Portland pulls them out. You know, they, they have good development. Their players consistently get better. And it's a great bath. I mean, they're right next to Nike. It's a great basketball culture. Like, it's just. How different things would have been if they took Kevin Durant instead of Greg Oden. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. At the time, obviously, Greg Oden was the man. But, my God, it, that's just fun to think about. I remember watching Greg Oden. I remember watching him lose to Florida. I remember him shooting in his left-handed free throws because he hurt his wrist and he just kept playing. And I was like, this guy is cool. Like, man, I, I like I, I really thought we were looking at, like, something between Bill Russell and Patrick Ewing. You know, that, like, it – the part, the problem with Odin, where it's different from, like other bust, is it's like it really was all health. Even the first two years when he was playing, it's not like he was dominant, but he was physically overmatching people and getting like twelve and eight or twelve and nine. You know, it wasn't. It, it, when health is the problem, it's it's much harder than whenever it's like Michael Ola Candy. And you're like, why right. this guy picked over Vince Carter? You know? Kwame <laughs> like, Brown. Yeah, like Kwame Brown. Yeah, and that, that draft was really bad. So that one, like, that was like Tyson Chandler second, Eddie Curry in the top five. I mean, Odin's – do you see Odin's now an assistant coach at Ohio State? I saw him. I, I, I sort of half recognized him. I was watching them play Iowa State in, in the NCAA tourney. And I saw what I thought was Greg Oden. I had to go to Google to make sure my eyes weren't tell- playing tricks on me. Um, yeah, he's some like some assistant's assistant of some sort. Yeah, and I mean that. It's also a sign like he does love the game. Like it's continued. It's his job. It's it's his career. I mean, he's he's a sad story. Like it, if he was a healthier person, I mean, we this whole debate and. I don't know. It just—I just feel bad for him. Still, that's all. still fun to think about a lineup with Dame Lillard, C.J. McCollum, and Kevin Durant. That just sounds really fun. Yeah, you know, it, it also sounded fun if it was Westbrook, Harden, Durant, and Ibaka. That was a good lineup. Oh, that was fun too. <laughs> I mean, that's three all right. MVPs. I'm going to close close this out with a question. And I already asked this to Lumen and Mike. Steph Curry's got to shoot with his eyes closed. Got to shoot free throws with his eyes closed for an entire season. What does his free throw percentage end up at? I'll go with 76. <laughs> That's, I was in your territory. I'm in like the 65 to 72 range. Lumen gave us a 40%. He thinks that he's hit four out of 10. No way. No way. I mean, free throw is so much muscle memory and calmness. Exactly. And none of that, none of that goes away. I went with 76 because I thought in my head three out of four. And I was like, no, he could still do better than that. So I went one percentage (laughs) point higher. Really scientific stuff. Uh, but I mean, Michael Jordan did it in the game against Matumbo. I remember that's like a that's a viral video floating around there. I mean, 
Oh, man. I'm going to go down the rabbit hole after we get off here and just watch video after video. I, dude, I, I really think he would still – because now he's, you know, 90 to 95. I think in the playoffs he was around 95. For his career, he's around 90. Like, losing 15%, it's a lot. I guess – because, like, you don't have to close your eyes until right before you shoot. So you can use your eyes to, like, remember exactly where the hoop is, remember exactly where your yep. feet are, bounce the ball exactly where you always bounce it, and then just right before you shoot, you close your eyes, and you do the motion that you do that's made your entire life and all the income you have. Like, he knows how to do it. So, I Yeah. Let's let's text him and let's see if he's open to trying it out in the playoffs in order to solve the steps. <laughs> if they get like a forty point lead, maybe uh, maybe thirty point lead, he'll shoot a couple of them for us. Uh, wink at he, us if he makes. He's them. more into like doing dances after his shots. We need to like tell him he needs to like up his Jedi mind tricks, and instead of dancing, like yeah, go with the closed eyes free throw. Whenever the game was close to out of hand last night, he was dribbling up. This was the point where Rocket, the Rockets needed to start fouling. I don't know if they showed this on uh, on the broadcast, but he was dribbling up. He was almost at half court. Someone fouls him. He's got the ball in his right hand. He just kind of flicks it up from right behind half court and hits nothing but net. And the place <laughs> just lost it. The guy behind me didn't see it. I was like, dude, did you see that? He was like, what happened, bro? What happened, bro? I was like, Steph just hit a fucking 70-foot three after the whistle with one hand, not even paying attention. He's it like, was... he ain't human. <laughs> the TV broadcast cut it off at first. Like, the cameraman didn't think it was worth following. Every time Steph shoots it, it's worth following. It doesn't matter where I, it I, is. The cool thing, though, because that was in the fourth. At the end of the third, there was, I think, 1.7 seconds left. And instead of guard- – the Warriors had the ball to inbound it full court, and instead of guarding the inbounder, they double teamed. They double teamed him. I remember. Yeah, and then Steph makes a move, still catches it, and flings it up from like eighty-five feet or eighty feet, and he missed. But it was just like, damn, is there a greater sign of respect? Like the end (laughs) of the third quarter, they have to double team you when they're inbounding from at your own free throw line. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they're like, we don't want you to take an uncontested seventy-five footer. <laughs> Funny thing about that is, I, I think the I think the shot was still kind of like, you know, you watched it until it hit the ground just to make sure it was still kind of like in the realm of the rim. It was. He's a freak. Yeah, and he does all this, and he shot a poor percentage last night. Didn't score that many points, and everyone's talking about Durant. Like, the guy impacts the game. Across all these aspects, I'm I'm waiting for him to hopefully feel a little healthy and you know make some of these shots. So like, I, I think we're due game three or four. We're due for one of them is going to be a very big Steph Curry game. He's he's overdue. They, they should have won by twenty last night. Uh, he him and Clay combined, especially Steph. He was three for thirteen, but a lot of those were wide open shots where the whole stadium had their hands in the air before he even caught the ball. And Man, I love rolled, the gas. rimmed out the gas yeah. that Oracle takes when he catches that ball. That's like, and it doesn't happen anywhere else. It's like all... Christmas. You're about to open your present. You're just not <laughs> sure what it's going to be, but you know it's going to be something cool. All right, Schaefer, let's let's call it a day. I'll uh, I'll catch all up right, with you later.
This is Happy the birthday, NBA Money bro. Podcast. Uh, sponsored by Pop-Tarts. Pop-Tarts. Get the Oreo flavor or the s'mores, not the cinnamon. Don't heat it up. Later. Later, man. La, 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 la,